about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Matthews, Bleacher Report, fan sighted DDT. My oh, man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Um, I do want to welcome you to the Wrestling Basement, my new retro throwback uh, podcast. I know you've been on two out of three falls every day for the last five years, but now I got <laughs> you in this different forum where um, I just want to get a fan's perspective on pro wrestling what got them to become a fan um what maybe eventually led them to um you know cover the sport for a website or for a major publication or brand or outlet because uh, someone like you who does work for bleacher report and now fan side ddt like you know your fandom had to start somewhere so what i want to do on every single show you know no matter what no matter who I have on, I want to get a perspective of the person's uh, fandom, where it started from. So the first question I asked uh, to you before we get into the main topic of uh, John Cena, Rob Van Dam from One Night Stand 06, is um, kind of tell me what, what made you become a fan of wrestling. Was it a match? Was it a promo? Was it a certain superstar? Was it a pay-per-view, your first pay-per-view that you recall seeing? Was it a live show? So what made Graham Matthews become a fan so many years ago that now you are covering the sport? Well, for me, I've shared this story a million times, so I don't want to... Uh, for, for anyone who knows me, has probably heard this a million times, but to keep mm-hmm. it short and sweet, I started watching, for as many people that might be surprised by this, in April of 2008. So I missed everything of Attitude Era, mid-2000s, even, even the Ruthless Aggression Era. I started watching at that point. Um, in middle school, I think was around the point. So for me, it wasn't like a, a match. It wasn't a pay-per-view. It was actually a specific superstar, that being William Regal, which is a very odd choice. Many wow. people will say, yeah, Shawn Michaels <laughs> or John Cena, even if you're like my age and started. Watch- I mean, I, I'm a late bloomer, of course, in the sense that I started watching a lot later than other people. Right. Um, maybe because I don't think I ever would have watched earlier than I did just because a lot of the stuff I st- I grew up, I was born in 95. If I was a teenager in the Attitude Era, would have been a different story. But because I was younger and I was 10 years old in 2005, when pretty much around the time that this match happened, actually, mm. with Rob Van Dam and John Cena that we'll get into momentarily, right? that stuff just, not that I didn't want to watch it, 
but I don't think it was appropriate for someone my age and my parents would have never let me watch that shit. So I actually dabbled in it a little bit the year before. Like I, I hate even saying this, but my earliest recollection of watching anything wrestling related was the Hornswoggle illegitimate superstore, uh, the illegitimate son storyline from uh, the September of 2007. That was the earliest Raw I remember watching in full. Wow. I watched a few shows after that, including the 15-year anniversary episode of Raw, which was a great show then. It's a great show now. And then I fell off. I remember seeing commercials for WrestleMania 24, which was in Orlando that year. I wanted to watch it, not realizing that you had to pay for it, that being pay-per-view. I had no idea what that was <laughs> at 12, 13 years old. Right. So I, I was a big USA Network guy at this point. I loved the shows Monk and Psych that were airing on USA back then. I, I wanted to watch everything that the network had to offer, mm. which is why I started to watch Raw. And this was right before they went PG, so the product was more appropriate for me. And like I said, it was actually William Regal who I watched, who I saw on a commercial for Raw on one episode before an, an episode of Raw in April of 2008. At that point, he was the Raw general manager. That night on Raw in England, which is where he's from, of course, he was facing the then WWE champion, Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. So I watched the show, watched the match. It's not a barn burner by any means. It's not Shawn Michaels versus the fucking Undertaker. But his character, the fact that he was the GM and then he went on to win the King of the Ring the next week, actually. I was like, holy shit, this is so cool. And I've seen every episode of Raw since. So for me, it was actually William Regal that I credit into getting me into professional wrestling. Not only getting me into it, but keeping me a fan for the last dozen years. Wow. Shout out to William Regal. <laughs> he's, the, he's the man. He, I, I still say to this day is one of the more underappreciated talents uh -huh. in all of WWE history. And it was around that time that I started watching that it looked like they were priming him for a WWE title run when he was turning off the lights on Raw. It was very short-lived and it was getting a lot of heat though. And then mm -hmm. he fucked up because he got himself suspended and then that was it for the storyline. But yeah, it was William Regal who actually got me into WWE. Uh, to be fair, you know, quick story. I think the first um, pay-per-view I recall seeing was SummerSlam. Obviously, Graham is a lot younger than me. I'm a lot older, but that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> the first pay-per-view I recall seeing uh, was SummerSlam 89. So you want to go way back. That's Hogan. That's Macho. That's Beefcake. That's Zeus in the tag team match in the, in the main event. And... You got Elizabeth on the outside, Sherry, the, the, the whole buildup from the Mega Powers and WrestleMania 5 prior to that. But for me, like, if someone ever asked me what what was the match that made me say, holy shit, I got to watch this from now on. Because, you know, back then, you know, there's no Raw, there's no SmackDown every week. It's just like, all right, you get your SummerSlam in August and I see you in November for Survivor Series. So, or maybe a little... Saturday night main event here and there, but you really, really had to wait months for the next show. So at that time, we get to, to, to 90 and we get to WrestleMania 6. And to me, the match that really got me to becoming a fan was Hogan and Warrior in the main event of uh, WrestleMania 6. I was a big Warrior fan. I like Hogan, but I was a big, I was more of a Warrior fan at that time, Graham. And from that point on, I just made it my business to buy shirts buy the 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 action figures buy the posters go to as many shows as i can so from that point on if there's a starting point for me it'll be april of 90 with uh wrestlemania 6 with uh hogan and the warrior amazing and that's a great match to start on two warriors uh, it, it's funny because there's not many people 
I can say that were around before I started watching. I mean, I'm a fan of pretty much everybody. Like, I'm a rock fan, Stone Cold, whatever, despite not growing up in the Attitude Era. Mm. Warrior, for me, I love the Warrior. And again, this is a bit controversial, but I didn't really know, like, all the racist remarks and stuff that he made. So that's totally different. But I'm talking about like when he was putting up inspirational videos a couple of years after I started watching, that was the shit that got me, not not got me into wrestling, but made me a fan of the Ultimate Warrior. So I knew kind of that side of him through his YouTube channel and shit like that. Yeah. And I kind of knew, you know, the weird thing is that when I started watching, I knew who Warrior was, but I had very little knowledge of who he was because of a few things. One, there was no WWE Network. Now there was YouTube, and I knew some of the stuff that he had done. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had done, right. but he wasn't around in the company. WWE never talked about him, so that's why I feel bad for people that growing. I mean, not really. I don't feel bad for growing up today with today's product. When people like when they don't mention, for example, CM Punk is still on the outs with WWE, and they'll never know how good he was, and people like that that they don't mention. Benoit being another one, but thankfully there was the WWE Network, so. Even people of today can go back and rewatch all the classics for as great as they were then. They're still amazing today, like Warrior and Hogan. Yeah, um, I think for me that was a great starting point. You know, it wasn't it wasn't William Regal. You know, it was Hogan and Warrior, but it wasn't Regal. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. So um, so I got you here for one reason, one reason only, and that's to to go down the rabbit hole of John Cena, Rob Van Dam, ECW. Uh, one night stand 06. Uh, before we get into that, you can follow Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant. You can follow me at Randy J. Cruz, R E N D Y, the letter J C R U Z. And you can find this podcast, The Wrestling Basement, on the Cruise Control Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. So I got you here, Cena, RVD, 06, one night stand. We're going to get to the story leading up to it and the aftermath after that. So I know I gave you a whole bunch of topics um, and this is the one that that really uh, stood out to you. So before we get into the whole particulars, why why was this particular topic uh, staying out for you the most? Just because I remember watching the show and obviously not live saying that I just you know started watching in 2008, but I remember watching it back and, and going back and watching it multiple times since I first started. I, I first saw it years ago and just falling in love with it just because I love the concept of One Night Stand, not just this match, but as we'll get into in a few moments – the initial show, One Night Stand 2005, if you were a fan at that point mm-hmm. and you lived in this area and you didn't go, like, you weren't there, Randy, right, at the, at the first One Night Stand show in New York City? No, I was not, no. Do you regret not being there after seeing the show and how great it was or no? Um, a little bit. I, I think, first of all, I to be to be fair, I've never been to any ECW shows, I, I you know. I, I do regret that. I know I, I, I'm not sure about this one, but I regret not even going to one. Okay, so well, that being said, again, you watched through that period. I didn't, yes. so I'm the wrong person to say. But that being said, though, I'm not a huge ECW fan. I go back and watch their old pay-per-views on the network. A lot of that shit, honestly, I'm just not a fan of. That's just not my style. But I go back and watch 05 One Night Stand, and I'm like, holy shit, this show is amazing. The electricity alone in that building, that Manhattan Center arena is amazing. Mm. I've seen Ring of Honor shows there. I've seen Impact shows there. Um, I was not at the WWE Raw 25 show there. I was at the Barclays Center that, that same night. But um, it, it's just a great venue because it holds so few people. And that's what makes If you're filling that arena in there with, with hardcore viewers like they did on that show, it really 
creates a vibe that you just it's it's irreplaceable and that's why this is the the success of that show is set up the you know the second show and i go back and watch that second show specifically that main event what a moment it was for rob van dam it was a turning point for john cena's career it was it's just a magical night all around and that was among the items that you listed on that document to me of the ideas of mm -hmm. us you know for us to talk about here on the show that was the one that really stood out to me and why so before we get into one night stand 06 uh, i think i would be remiss to not mention that you know mcmahon he he brought out wcw you know ecw was defunct uh back in 2001 and for four years you know, there was nothing about ECW. You, you did get a couple of their guys coming to the WWE, uh, like Rob Van Dam, Sabu, and the Tommy Dreamers of the world, the, the, the Dully Boys. So they're there, but there is no ECW show. There's no ECW brand. And you fast forward to 2005, where, you know, from what I've been reading, is that RVD went to McMahon and wanted to, gave him an idea, like, what if we did like a one-off reunion kind of event um, at the Hammerstein Ballroom? So McMahon bid on that and said, all right, cool. So we'll do one night stand. Um, I think it was June of 05 at Hammerstein. And for those who don't know or have not seen this pay-per-view, I'll give you a quick rundown. It was, it was only seven matches. Even me, I do got to go back and check it out. So, Landstorm defeated Chris Jericho. Uh, Super Crazy defeated Little Guido. <laughs> and a whole bunch of... Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. Little Guido and Tajiri. Uh, Three-way dance. Uh, Rey Mysterio defeated Psychosis. Uh, we had Sabu defeated uh, Rhino Benoit, defeated Eddie Guerrero, Mike Awesome defeated Mas uh, Masato Tanaka, and the Dully Boys defeated uh, Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman in the main event. So no no title matches, no not just regular singles and you know tag matches. So they saw that, and a lot of people, fans and people at that time, you know, the, the dot-coms, and there was no big-time social media going on at that time, they, 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 the feedback from that was like, we like how it went down. It was a good, good, uh, a great night for wrestling. Why don't we bring this back uh, the following year? Um, before they do that, Rob Van Dam is now in a Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania 22. I think the second overall Money in the Bank ladder match, Edge won the year prior. He cashed in. Uh, he cashed in on John Cena at New Year's Revolution, which is a different show for a different day. So in that ladder match, uh, matter of fact, Graham, do you know offhand who was in that second Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania at 22? I yes. do. I could probably tell. Maybe not every, not everybody in the match, but probably most of them. So there were six people, correct? Yes. So I know there was obviously Rob Van Dam. Mm-hmm. Matt Hardy was in there. Your guy. Of course, my guy, Matt Hardy. <laughs> Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Uh, Ric Flair was in there. Ooh, yeah, Ric Flair. I, I remember that just because I know he's the oldest person to compete in a Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, I'm trying... That That's four, right, that I just said? Yeah, you're missing two. Punk wasn't in there. Not Booker... Booker T? Was Booker T in there? No, one of them is still active. Oh, shit. Um, and one is not. <laughs> was Kennedy in there? No, Kennedy was in 23 and 24. Right. 
Orton was not. This one is more like, this is one of the more forgettable ones. Oh, Shelton Benjamin was, obviously. Okay, now we're down to one more. Shelton Benjamin, and then... Shit. I'm trying to think of the other one. You, um, All right, tidbit. He just got released by the company. Like, really? Like last week, um, yeah. Now I'm trying to think who just got released. It wasn't Kurt Angle, of course. No. Fuck. It wasn't Root. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who, who just got released. God damn, dude. I'm trying to think. I'm going to feel like an idiot after you tell me. Yeah. But, uh, all right, just just tell me. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I don't want to waste too much time. Finley. Finley, right. I forgot about Finley. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I forgot he was going to push around that point. Yeah. Yes, Finley was in that match. So, Rob Van Dam wins that match. Um, second overall, Money to Bank winner. And now, the question is, I, you know, to, to be fair, you know, his rivalry, little uh, rivalry with Shelton Benjamin does not get talked about enough. We you know for uh, when Shelton was the IC champion and, and Rob had the Money to Bank briefcase, um, they had great matches. I think one was at Backlash. It was, it was like yep. a title for, for briefcase. So, now, he beats... Shelton Benjamin becomes a new Intercontinental Champion. I don't know what Rob Van Dam does with that belt afterwards, but that's besides the point. Um, so now, I'm going to put a pause on that, but Rob Van Dam was in the company for a good five years, I want to say, at this time. And yeah, he won Money in the Bank. He won the IC title, but he was never a guy. I know we spoke about it offline text that he was never a guy that you saw could be in the world title picture. He was, he, you know, he 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 wasn't getting title matches like that. Um, the only one was the Chamber match at Survivor Series 02. Outside of that, a guy like Rob Van Dam uh, was not getting world title matches. Do you think? Like, what do you think of the reasons why that is, or why a guy like Rob Van Dam was not even getting? title shots back then for the world title well i gotta correct you you said that he was a guy at that point that you couldn't see in the world championship picture and i gotta disagree because going back and watching a lot of those o2 shows he was so fucking over at that point well dude, I, you know what i, I feel I, like a, i wouldn't say couldn't see but we we, we didn't see in the world okay yeah that, that, that's what i figured you meant yeah. that's what i figured you meant um but he was a guy, though, that was so fucking over in 2002 mm-hmm. that he should have been champion at some point. I'm just not sure the timing was ever correct. You did say the Elimination Chamber match, which is which is right. I think he also competed for the World Championship a few months prior to that at Unforgiven 2002. And I do think there was a plan in place. I may be stretching here, but I remember reading somewhere from a former creative writer that RVD was supposed to win the world championship at that point. That was right after they brought back the world heavyweight championship from WCW and they appointed it as the top title on Raw when Brock took the WWE championship over to SmackDown. I think he was supposed to win either originally or from Triple H. Triple H just had none of it. Um, you know, really buried him, whatever. He had a vendetta against Rob Van Dam. RVD would actually end up going on, would go on to injure Triple H in that chamber match by hitting the either five-star frog splash or something along those lines, a top rope move, and he he injured his trachea, Mm -hmm. and Triple H could barely breathe for the rest of the match. Um, So they had a lot of bad blood back in 2002, and arguably that was what, you know, derailed his push as a main event talent because he was ready for it at that point. He was involved in a lot of... uh, IC title matches, hardcore title matches, shit like that mm. in 2002 and prior to that, but never the world championship picture until late 02. After that, when he got traded back to SmackDown, 
yes, he was a glorified mid-card guy doing tag team stuff on Raw and SmackDown. Um, never the United States champion, but he was involved in that mix mm. because mo- for the most part, I just I don't think they ever really believed in him after his push fell through in 2002 for reasons beyond his control. But by 06, his popularity was too much to ignore. It coincided perfectly with the revival of ECW. He was actually gone for about a year. Um, I don't remember when he got hurt in 05. I want to say it was at the onset of 2005, and he actually had to miss one night stand that year because he got hurt and he was out for a long time. Mm-hmm. He came back, I want to say, in the 06 Rumble, if not right before that. Didn't win it, obviously, but went on to win the Money in the Bank ladder match. But yeah, I think this was the perfect time for them to capitalize on his popularity considering the timing of the ECW thing and the fact that he was so he was gone for so long that people were ready for fresh faces in the main event scene. Uh, yeah, Triple H defeated Rob Van Dam uh, for the world title at Unforgiven 2002. Yeah, that was the pay-per-view I yeah. was thinking of. I don't think he probably got another WWE title opportunity after that, maybe on SmackDown, like on an episode of SmackDown. Mm. But I can't remember him ever getting a sustained push as a uh, you know top-tier main event level guy in either brand until 2006 after what happened in 2002. Yeah. Um, so we have that in place, and so now Rob Van Dam is the Money in the Bank winner. He's um, you know, spray painting the 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 briefcase, and you know, I think he added different he added a different flair, a different style to that uh, to that briefcase. And now we're we're like in May or June at this time. So, kind of keeping along the lines, now it's like when Edge cash in. He did the regular. Now I wouldn't say regular because it was the first time that happened. But he just saw John Cena laid out after the chamber match at a Revolution and just kind of went in there, did his thing, and 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 won the belt w- without it being like a real, real match. So I liked how, for those who don't r- recall, that that Rob Van Dam on a particular Raw went to John Cena after he fought and told him when he was cashing in. The briefcase for, for 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 the title shot. He said, "You know what?" Paraphrasing that, I'm gonna cash in in a, in a, an environment that is conducive to me. It, it, it'll happen at one night stand. So now you have a build to this actual match. Unlike Edge, I think for me that was cool. That was different. Uh, what did you make of of RVD cashing in the way that he did telling John Cena listen two weeks from now I'm going to cash in at one night stand unlike Edge who did it at the end of the the match I think it worked because if he cashed in opportunistically it wouldn't have matched his character and it wasn't one I mean it was it was it had never been done before but it's not saying much because there was only one prior cash in before this with Edge the year before so what and not even not even the year before it was six months before this he cashed in in January of 2006 true so to do another you know, surprise cash in would have been too much. It wouldn't have really matched RVD's character because he was a babyface at that point. It, I mean, people would have popped regardless, but babyfaces usually don't do that type of thing unless it leads to a heel turn or whatever. And if they do do it, then it's not the. I mean, it has to make sense. This one it made sense. They wanted to sell people in that ECW pay per view. RVD, John Cena, a match that sells itself. So I think it's a great idea. I'm glad they did it the way that they did, and they didn't have him like you know, do it as a surprise cash-in because it wouldn't have made any sense given the circumstances. I'm not sure if they thought that far ahead when they gave him the briefcase, like, we'll wait for him to cash-in until the pay-per-view, but it ended up working out wonderfully to sell people on that show 
as a main event for that pay-per-view, that being Cena versus RVD. Right. So now, Graham, also at the same time, you know, John Cena is the champion. Uh, I think he he just got the belt back from Edge a few months prior, you know, because the whole revolution thing and Edge was like champion for like a month, maybe. He, I think he lost it at the Royal Rumble 06. So John Cena is now in a very much able man, probably like five month title reign. Mm-hmm. And this is where you got to help me out. So the, the fans at this time was either turning on John Cena or starting to turn on John Cena, where every time he came out, it got less cheers and more boos. So that could be either A, He's been champion for a long time. He's beaten like the Shawn Michaels and the Triple H's. He's beaten everybody. Like who else is out there going to beat him? Um, maybe the character was getting stale. Maybe they, they were just getting tired of the act. I have no idea. Or they see guys like Rob Van Dam and they attract more toe to a guy like him. But at this time, what did you make of why the tide was turning uh, for John Cena to go out as champion but being booed more than, than being cheered? I would say they already turned on him pretty – it was a full-fledged betrayal at this point of the fans of John Cena, from the fans of John Cena, as it was like months earlier. That I mean, you got to go back. The moment that I think of, they were probably already giving him a mixed reaction by late 05. I'm not 100% sure. They probably were. It wasn't like an overnight thing where they went from cheering him loudly to then the very next night booing the shit out of him. I always go back to the cash-in with Edge. Cena that night had successfully defended the WWE title inside the Elimination Chamber. Right. And people were like, are you fucking kidding me? Because like <laughs> you said, he had beaten everyone. Yeah. He had beaten Kurt Angle. He had beaten JBL. He had beaten this guy. He had beaten that guy. He had beaten Chris Jericho. Christian, no one else left to beat from the Raw roster. Edge cashes in. And yeah, that was also part and due to Edge being so popular, but he was also a hated heel. So for people to go from booing Edge to cheering him, they all they liked Edge, but I think a large part of it was that they really wanted to see Cena get beat for that belt. So then, like you said, he wins it back a few weeks later. He beat Triple H at WrestleMania. And you can watch WrestleMania 22. They were cheering the shit out of Triple H that night. They were cheering Triple H in. I mean, granted, it was Chicago. But still, I mean, Cena was still was hated even then. So by this point, people were really ready to see John Cena lose that championship. And Rob Van Dam was the perfect person. So it wasn't like this was the night they started to turn on Cena. I wouldn't say everyone booed him. It was more of a mixed reaction than anything. It's like Roman Reigns. It's basically Roman Reigns circa 2006 at this point, or Roman Reigns of today, back in 2006. And in that ECW arena, Cena was public enemy number one in there. So, oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. The, the timing could not have been better. Uh, quick story. So now, I, me as a fan at this time, I I think it was for like a year I had stopped watching wrestling. I, I don't know why, but I, I, I did uh, fall out of it maybe after, you know, the attitude that we're in and stuff like that. No, no Stone Cold, no Rocks. And I think there was a period from like 04 to 05 where I just wasn't watching. And, you know, I'm at work one day and a kid is like, talking about wrestling and he's like he mentioned a guy named John Cena I'm like who the fuck is John Cena and then <laughs> I said so so uh, who, listen I said who's the champion I have no idea who, who the champion was and the kid said John Cena and I said who's that oh is this guy you got the spinner belt and this and that he's, he's really cool and he just he just beat uh, Chris Jericho and Chris Jericho got fired I'm like what Jericho got fired what what's going on like now I'm like hold up 
I got to start watching this. So now by the time I get back to watching it, Edge is, you know, he has this whole rated R superstar thing going on. So this is this is like in January. This is like New Year's uh, Revolution time. So I'm just getting back into watching what's going on. So I see Cena. I see the spinner belt. I see Edge and Lita and all that. I'm like, okay, now it's, you know, shit look different now when, when I left like a, a year, year and a half ago. So from mm-hmm. that point on, from like the beginning of 06 is where I got back into watching. And from that point in, I'm, I'm still watching today, you know, 14 years later. But, you know, yeah, I think everybody has a, a falling out. They kind of go away from it for a little bit. They grow up. They do different things. And, and then some, somehow, some way, you, you kind of get caught back in. So by the time Cena and Edge were going at it in 06, that's where I kind of got back into watching it. No, that's amazing. I think it was probably the perfect time to get back into it. You said that you had kind of gotten back into it in 05 after Jericho got fired. I would argue that you missed a good, I mean, you can always go back and rewatch it anytime. And I wasn't even watching at that point, so who am I to say? But 05 was a great period for WWE. I would say one of their best years of the 2000s between like Cena's rise, Batista's rise, the Batista, the Batista Triple H feud, the John Cena versus Kurt Angle feud was really, really good. Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, Randy Orton versus the, uh, Undertaker. Mm -hmm. A lot of great feuds back in 05, the, you know, rise of, of several superstars and 06, while not as memorable, in my opinion, kind of carried that momentum. And RVD was one of the people that didn't really get his just due in 05 due to being injured, but he finally got it when the time was right in 06. So I think this was a perfect time to get back into this shit. Right. So now we have, um, I think there was a, a Raw the week prior to, to One Night Stand that due to contract signing. Listen, I, I went down the rabbit hole last night of watching a, a bunch of Raw's from this time period, you too. Is I'm like, you know, I, I forgot a lot of uh, this information, but now I go back and see it. Like, holy shit, is this, is this so, so weird? So they do the contract signing. Um, you know, coaches in there, and Paul Heyman's talking his, uh, his shit in there. You get the whole ECW uh, Sabu and them attack Cena and stuff like that, just building momentum towards one night stand. And I, and me as a fan, I'm like, oh, I, I want to see Cena and Rob Van Dam really go at it, and. I think it, it couldn't couldn't have been at a better time, and I think, you know, you having this in the, in the main event is really going to tell whether they do this again the following year or they mm-hmm. might bring back ECW as part of the program, which they eventually did. So, to pause on that, they at the, at this time they're thinking about having ECW as like the uh, the third brand to go with all to go along with Raw and SmackDown, which is fine by me. But then again, it's like, all right, who's going to be ECW? Are they going to have the real originals there? Are they going to add, you know, implement some Raw, some SmackDown people in there? So now when they begin to relaunch ECW as a third brand, I know you probably read about this later on, um, on Sci-Fi. So now, what do you, in retrospect, what did you make of them adding ECW as a third brand, not adding like a WCW as a third brand, why ECW had to be the third brand that they wanted to showcase. So there's a lot to unpack here, but as you mentioned earlier, it was largely due to the success 
of not only that first one night stand show, because the only reason do that you have to remember the only reason why they did that show to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's not just the success of one night stand that spurred the brand ECW WWE. You got to think to yourself, what was it that spurred the success of the original one night stand? It was, I believe, and I could be mistaken, the DVD sales of ECW DVDs that were being put out at that time. They were doing really, really well. Um, the ECW chants that they would hear at Raw. Like, you wouldn't hear, oh, WCW. Like, you don't hear that now. You didn't hear that back then. Not because WCW was shit, mm-hmm. but towards the end, WCW got really poor. And it wasn't ECW for the most part, although, again, it wasn't my cup of tea, went out on top. Um, they didn't really have much of a chance to say farewell. WCW did, and they went out and they had the alliance. So really, I mean, ECW was a part of the alliance as well, but it was largely WCW versus WWE. It wasn't really so much about ECW as it was WCW. So that being said, people were still there. There was still a you know a desire for ECW back in 05, 06, 04. People really wanted more ECW, and you, you got to remember too, it was also so much different. Than the WWE product in the 90s, in the early 2000s, even in the mid-2000s, people still wanted ECW. There was TNA. TNA started up in 02. They were an alternative to WWE, but not different enough to people to the point where it was satisfying everybody. They wanted something different. ECW was different, and uh, that was really probably what led to the revival more than anything of the brand as a WWE third brand in 2006. Now, in terms of filling up the roster... I think they took the right approach because not everyone in ECW was great. They had a lot of good competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't. Not everyone there was a fucking five star amazing wrestler or a great character. Like you bring in the obvious ones like Sabu and Sandman and RVD was already in WWE. Tommy Dreamer was already in WWE. I believe he may have actually been let go then brought back. But either way, mm-hmm. they had a lot of people. I think he was actually with the company that maybe worked backstage, but they had a lot of people like the Dudleys, unfortunately, couldn't be a part of it. They had just left the company in mid-2005, I believe, mm. and I think they were a part of the original one. I stand not the second one. Um, you know, you bring in Balls Mahoney and people like that that the ECW <laughs> fans want to see. Yeah. So that's really what led to the revival of ECW. ECW was so different than WCW and WWF, WWE. WCW wasn't really all that different. It was just a great show at its peak. It wasn't all that different when you really think about it than WWE. It was just on a different channel. They tried different things, yeah, but it wasn't really worth making a third brand for. And they tried. They tried to do that. I mean, we know the whole story by this point. They were going to make Raw the WCW show, and they were going to make SmackDown the WWE show. And they had that one Booker T versus uh, fucking, oh my God, not Landstorm. What's that guy's name? I don't uh, know. <laughs> do you remember who I'm talking about? It was the guy with the big, oh my God. What was that guy's name? Not was I think it was Perry Saturn. I believe it was. Okay. Nah, was it Perry Saturn? I don't remember. Either way, they had that WCW Championship match on Raw. Um, God, it's gonna bother me now. Booker T versus I believe Perry Saturn. It fucking tanked. Um, mm. and it just it's gonna bother me. I'll, I'll look it up when when you go next. But it tanked, <laughs> okay. and they didn't bring back the brand. And then that was it. That was it for WCW. So ECW still had some life left by 05, and that's why they decided to bring the brand back. Um, to rewind, I think the DVD you were mentioning was the rise and fall of ECW. Correct. Yes. Um, so I recall buying that DVD and watching it and really be, um, intrigued about what they were showing because a lot, again, a lot of things that we, we, we just don't know that happens outside the ring. I think that was very informative. And I think from, I think that came out, like that came out in 04, 
Then it led into, like you said, ECW One Night Stand 05. And then you fast forward to now another ECW uh, reunion. And now, you, now you're getting in, in, in you know, some sort of influx of you know, the current talent to be part of ECW, like the Big Shows and the Rey Mysterios and uh, Kurt Angle was now ECW. Like, okay, all right, let's just see how it goes. Then they eventually had the, the, the green light to go on sci-fi as the official show for like a third brand. I think it was one hour. Then you get your CM Punks, your Johnny Nitros, and a whole bunch of people going there, a different story, a different day. But um, I, I just felt like, hey, if, if, if they were going to do it right, and have Paul Heyman be behind it, then you know we'll we'll see. I think it's more content, more more matches, more more time that some guys on Raw and SmackDown may not be able to get, so they can get it on ECW programming, which is fine. Um, but like when you mention ECW, it's like to me, uh, RVD stands out to be as like if there, if there was a Mount Rushmore. Of, an EC, of the the real true ECW, I think Rob Van Dam has to be um, a part of that. People can debate other people, and that's a different day, a different convo for a different day. But um, do you think that RVD is, is the or one of the most successful ECW guys to flourish in the WWE, or is it somebody else? Yeah, Rob Van Dam is the first name that comes to mind. Either I think Rob Van Dam, when you, you got to specify, I, I would say ECW originals, because yes. you could also include in that category Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. who was in WCW for a long time. He would be, not for a long time, but he was there for, for a time. You could include Chris Jericho. Steve Austin was in ECW for a time. Mick Foley was in ECW. Eddie Guerrero, uh, Chris Benoit. I mean, all of these people are far more successful and far more known than Rob Van Dam. But none of them, I don't think, as far as I know, were originals. I don't I don't look at Chris Jericho as being, oh, an ECW original. When I think ECW, I think Chris Jericho. I don't. So I wouldn't say right. that at all. Um, in terms of ECW originals, yes, I do think Rob Van Dam is probably the most successful of all time. The only other person or people rather that would give him a run for his money would be the Dudley boys because they came in to ECW, which is where they started Mm. and then went to WWE, had an amazing career over there. Revolutionized tag team wrestling with Edge and Christian and the Hardy boys could not have come in at a better time in 99. So they came in that were really successful right off the bat, were very popular, were there for five years, and then went over to TNA and made tag team wrestling a priority over there as well, were very successful over in TNA. They did work over in Japan. They won the WCW tag team titles. They came back to WWE a number of years ago to a great pop, and they're still going on and off even to this day. They went into the Hall of Fame a few years ago. So it's it's a tough it's a tough toss-up between the two. I probably would say Rob Van Dam just because he was the WWE champion. He was never a top, top guy, but a tag team is different than one in particular person. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. I mean, Dreamer's also in the conversation. He was never a top guy in WWE at all. Never won the IC or US championship. He was really just kind of there, but he was the heart and soul of ECW. Um, Sabu never really had sustained success in WWE. Neither did the Sandman, who were all very memorable ECW characters. 
um, but never really were a top, top guy in WWE. Shane Douglas being another one who was one of ECW's best, but came over as Dean Douglas. And yeah, he won the IC belt, but he was gone within a year. His run sucked. Um, so yeah, I would probably say off the top of my head, if I really had to think about it, Rob Van Dam might just be the greatest ECW original of all time, if not the Dudley boys. Uh, real quick before we get into why we are here with John Cena and Rob Van Dam. So according to Wikipedia, you know, a great source, uh, <laughs> there are 23 original ECW members, um, Bill Alfonso, Simon Diamond, Tommy Dreamer, the Dullies, Mick Foley, Jerry Lynn, Balls Mahoney, uh, Nunzio, Raven, Rhino, Stevie Richards, uh, RVD Sabu, Axel Rotten, Ian Rotten, uh, The Sandman, Taz, Al Snow. So okay. That's the original, the, the ECW Originals members. So... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, some of the, some. I mean, some of them are. They wouldn't come close to Rob Van Dam, in my opinion. But Raven was. I mean, amazing. Well, he was one of yeah. ECW's best. But again, never really had any sustained success. When we're talking, like, I mean, yeah, he, they were probably the greatest for ECW. They were probably those better than RVD and ECW itself. Mm. But like, I'm talking, they had success after ECW, and they were, you know, people know who they are. Right. A lot of people may not even know who Rob Van Dam is, but. They were they're bound to know who he is over Raven, who he had a few runs in WWE and in Ring of Honor, I believe, as well as in um, you know, TNA a number of years ago. But he was never a top, 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 top guy the same way Rob Van Dam could have been and should have been in WWE. So uh yeah, I mean again, the, the Rottens. Mick Foley, I guess, is an ECW original. Again, I don't look at him and think ECW because he wasn't there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, he had he, way more years in WWE than he did in ECW. Rob Van Dam was there for a long time, and and also in ECW. Got to remember, he had some great fucking matches as the TV champion. So not only was he working at a high level in ECW, he was still working at that level ten years later in WWE, which is why, in my opinion, he might just be the greatest ECW original of all time. Yeah, Mister Monday Night. Mr. Exactly. Monday Night. Um, I met RVD one time. Um, <laughs> he's a, he's a chill dude. Yeah, I've got to meet him twice. I had him sign an intercontinental title belt. But uh, nice. very nice guy. Very nice dude. Very nice guy. I met him at Wallet Mania in New Orleans. I think this is WrestleMania 34 time. Uh, he, <laughs> he was definitely Mr. Monday Night that night. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he had oh, a I'm great sure. time there. You know, just you know. I was like, oh shit, that's Rob Van Dam. Okay, you know, you know, you, you know, you don't want to bother people. You give a what's up, how you doing, and good to see you, and stuff like that. Big fan, and you know, you kind of keep them chill as they are. But um, it was great, it was great to meet him that night at Wallet Mania. So um, we get to one night stand: Rob Van Dam, John Cena, WWE Championship, first time ever the title is defended uh, in an ECW ring arena, Hammerstein Ballroom. And um, I think, Grant, what gets me the most about this match, and you mentioned it earlier, and I could watch it anytime I want, is how the crowd was just treating John Cena from the entrance. You heard his music. He walks down that tight aisle way. And the fans are all, all of in his face. You, you can see John Cena walking to the ring with his head down, with the, with the belt raised up high. And it was like, wow, like, 
you're really truly seeing like this New York fan base just shitting on John Cena. And he's the world champion. I get it. It's Rob Van Dam, ECW. I get it. But it was like, wow. And that kind of set the tone for that match. And before they even wrestled, you had Cena sucks chance. You got people throwing toilet paper in the ring. And Cena wants to throw a shirt in the crowd. And they throw the shit right back in the ring. It was just so hostile and violent. I saw a security guard put the, 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 the bird to him, the, the FU sign to John Cena. I'm like, what's going on here? And as a fan, I'm like, this shit is crazy. I want to watch you know, what, what unfolds. But just seeing that five-minute uh, time frame of him, Cena, really seeing what the crowd was like, that rabid kind of crowd that ECW is known to bring. From that point on, man, I was like, yo, this match going to be crazy, going to be fire. But that whole intro and that whole... Everything before the match started kind of, you know, just set the tone for everything. No, absolutely. The the crowd, I don't think this match would be remembered as fondly as it is. It's an amazing match. But let's face it, the crowd was every bit a part of the atmosphere yes. and the magic of this match as anything. The crowd was unbelievable. Like, this was pre, you know, rowdy Chicago crowds. And remember, this is post-attitude there when every crowd was yeah. Nowadays, we don't get crowds all the time. We don't get crowds like this constantly. So for them to be packed in one building like freaking sardines and again, the, the Manhattan Center is not the most luxurious place you'll ever watch a wrestling show. But in terms of the atmosphere, it's unbelievable. And the show itself was great. So it's not like they were cheering for bullshit. The match was great. The show was great. The match was, uh, you know, shaping up to be super special. Gave it that big fight feel. And the hate that Cena got that night really laid the groundwork for the Cena sucks, let's go Cena chance and shit that followed in the years, you know, in, in the years that followed. Um, again, he was already being booed pretty loudly by this point, but it really kicked off this new age for the Cena character and that people started to realize, holy shit, this guy really is hated by not a majority of the audience, but a very, you know, vocal portion of the WWE universe, so to speak. So, and an RVD was just a hero. The guy could have, you know, punted a baby and he still would have been cheered i'm sure mm. um that that's how popular rvd was and the crowd has really amplified that right um again for those who have not seen this match go ahead check it out rvd cena one night stand 06 so yeah they, they're booing cena uh we got fuck you cena chance we have the toilet paper mentioned we got you can't wrestle chance we also have same old shit chance <laughs> we have overrated chance i mean like <laughs> and I, I know cena has been in many arenas and people have chanted different things uh, at his way but i'm like one night stand man has to be the one event that cena probably could laugh at laugh about it today but go back in hindsight like wow man i even though it was like a 2000 seat arena compared to 80,000 people chanting him you suck i just don't think like that arena and th and that that uh, fan base, if Cena was to say it today, like listen, that was probably the most hated fan base I, I, I ever performed in front of. It, it, it don't compare to fifty, eighty thousand people. That twenty two hundred seated event uh, for one night stand. I don't think Cena will ever say there's anything even worse than that. No, absolutely. I mean, first of all, just to go back to something I was saying before, but I completely forgot about. Mm. I, I have to mention this. Buff Bagwell was in that match. I had to look it up, dude, because it was going to fucking bother <laughs> me. And I'm, I know we're going to get a comment. It was Buff Bagwell Buff who was in that Bagwell. WCW title match on Raw. 
it was going to bother me. I'm sorry, but while I was thinking about that, what was your question again? No, I was just saying that it, I, I think John Cena can reflect in, uh, today that if somebody was to ask him, you know, what was the most rabid uh, house-style oh, yeah. crowd you ever, ever ever performed in, I think he would say one nice thing, even though it's, it's 2,200 people compared to a, a 50,000 uh, arena. Yeah, no, I mean, just think about, I mean, if, if, if you want something to prove your point there, Randy, mm-hmm. simply show anyone that 15, 20, 30 second clip of the fans throwing Cena's shirt right back at him before the match even started. Yeah. I mean, that right there exemplifies how much this fucking crowd hated John Cena's guts. Hated and it was him. amazing. It was amazing. It laid the groundwork for what we would see five years later with him in Chicago a Money in the Bank with CM Punk. Mm. So um, this was the first real rowdy crowd that he dealt with. I mean, Chicago was rowdy, and the New Year's Revolution show that he where he lost the title, the Edge at, was rowdy. Yeah. Nothing quite like this, though. Like, if he went in the crowd, he may have legitimately gotten beaten up. Like, that's how vile these people were, for better or for worse. But it made for a great wrestling audience, if nothing else. So... Let's get right to it. So the match is, match is going on. Uh, I think I think it went great both ways. Crowd is into it. Now different elements start to play where you knew the rivalry between Cena and Edge has still been going on for months prior. Edge gets involved by spearing John Cena into a table. Uh, extreme rules. So, you know, whatever goes. And um, he, he comes out with this... Uh, Biker helmet. Nobody knows who it is. He takes it off. Crowd goes crazy. They start chanting, thank you, Edge. And at the same time, the referee's knocked out. So Rob Van Dam sees what's going on. He does a five-star frog splash. And he has to get the referee back to normal. But then Paul Heyman comes out. He makes the the three count. And Rob Van Dam is your new WWE champion. So as a fan... From a fan perspective, that's why you're here. Paul Heyman making the count one, two, three, and not and not and not an official referee doing that. The interference from Edge. Do you, does it kind of take away from Rob Van Dam's moment to 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 defeat John Cena clean clean in uh, in the ring to become world champion because of Edge because of Paul Heyman, or would you rather see him something more of a clean finish for Rob Van Dam? I mean, yeah, ideally a clean finish would have been nice just because, I mean, you want this guy to be solidified as a real superstar. And, I mean, the match is still great. It does take away from it a little bit. I don't look back on the match and say, oh, I wish Edge didn't interfere. I know why they did it. They wanted to get Edge back in the main event mix, you know, get back to the Cena edge feud uh-huh. and i don't think i don't think if rob van dam if he didn't fuck up a month later and got himself suspended and whatever i don't think they would have taken the championship off of him as quickly as they did yeah edge they were doing cena edge and rvd for the title and like a three-way feud at that point i don't think they would have taken the championship off of rvd when they did maybe it's SummerSlam. i'm not sure how long his run would have been in a perfect world yes having rvd go out there and just beat him clean would have been a lot better then tainting it with interference from Edge and Paul Heyman and all this other shit. The crowd didn't seem to care. I mean, the result was the result. But you know you know for a fact that if this was the opposite, where they had Cena win to get heat, and they had someone beat up RVD to protect him and defeat, mm-hmm. people would have been fucking pissed. Right. So, yeah, I do agree. I never really thought about it like that, but... Yeah, it would have been nice if he beat him clean to establish him as better than John Cena and not just better than him because Edge was there to help out RVD, you know? So you mentioned, you know, the aftermath of the match. So 
Rob Van Dam is a new champion. Uh, the beef between Cena and Edge is still going on. Rob Van Dam uh, on the premiere night of ECW on Sci-Fi is awarded the ECW championship. So now he's ECW and WWE champion. Okay, so you fast forward to uh, Vengeance 06 with him and, and Edge for the title. Rob Van Dam wins that match. So between Vengeance and Raw on I think July 9th, one of those days. Uh, you mentioned uh, RVD and Sabu get in trouble. You know, uh, I think was pulled over for uh, marijuana, some shit like that. And um, lo and behold, RVD has to give up the the world title and the ECW title. And again, I, I don't know as a fan if I knew about that at the time, but to see RVD lose both belts and like, a matter of a week was like, hey, what's, what's going on here? But as you read upon it, you we you know we all know why. So they teased the triple threat match between RVD, Edge, and Cena on Raw. Uh, I think it was I think it was in Philadelphia of all places, right? To lose a belt, uh, home home of uh, ECW. So Edge beats Rob Van Dam. Uh, he's now the world champion. So Rob Van Dam is still ECW champion. He loses that to the big show like a, a couple of days later. So now Rob, Rob Van Dam is no longer champion of nothing. And then he go, <laughs> he gets uh, suspended and Edge and John Cena continue their rivalry. Uh, I think it was SummerSlam and th- and that that um, uh, TLC match at Unforgiving, which is very, very underrated. So from the, from the moment RVD is world champion to the moment that he's not, like... When you go back at it, and again, we don't know when RVD, how long he would have been champion or whatever the case may be. I think he would have had a longer run. But just for that, that whatever, month period, he's champion, maybe less than that. Um, were you looking for RVD to become champion for a long time? Certain matches that you probably had in your head, like, man, RVD could fight this guy, could fight that uh, that guy. Like, what was, in that one, in that, if you had to go back and say that one month period of Rod Van Dam being world champion is described as what? It was good. It wasn't like they dropped the ball on him. Like, I would say, he dropped the ball on himself. It wasn't like CM Punk's championship reign when he cashed in the briefcase, became world heavyweight champion. He beat a bunch of people. It was all fluky wins, though. Like, he never really beat Batista when they had their few matches for the world heavyweight championship. His match with JBL wasn't really all that great. He lost the belt like a, a month later to Randy Orton without even being in the match. He got punted, and that was it. So, like, that was, a, that was a case where, like, I would blame creative. With Rob Van Dam, they did everything to give this guy the world and more. It's not a case where W. I mean, they may have been a little late to the party. Like they should have given him, they should have given him the top title months or years earlier, rather. Like I will agree with that. Mm-hmm. But in this circumstance, they went out of their way, dude, to make him the face of that company for a little while there. With having him beat John Cena, he beat Edge at the Vengeance pay per view. He was the ECW champion simultaneously as the WWE champion. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. What I would have done had he not screwed up and had both belts taken from him, what probably would have happened was he may have dropped it around maybe SummerSlam time, if not Unforgiven. You also got to remember, too, I don't know what the end game was with the Cena-Edge storyline, but if RVD doesn't drop that belt and it doesn't go right back on Edge, we may never get that amazing TLC match between Edge and John Cena at Unforgiven in Toronto 
at Unforgiven 2006, one of the greatest matches in the careers of either John Cena or Edge. So with RVD, if if he stays WWE champion, I don't think he would have left in 2007. Um, I, I don't think he would have taken off when he did. I think he probably would have been around for a little while longer. And it wasn't like when he came back, he was being buried. Like he came back a number of, I can't even really remember when he came back, probably the tail end of 2006. And he was involved, I think in the chamber match at December to December. I don't remember. And then he was doing the whole ECW originals storyline and whatever. So they never really took a chance on him again. Mm. The, the height of what he probably would have gotten back to was the ECW championship. He would have never been WWE champion again. The thing is though, I think it would have been a lot like Kofi Kingston. I think that's a perfect way to sum this thing up where if he doesn't screw up, he probably would have been champion for a couple of months, gotten his run and then got, you know, went right back to the mid card. He probably wouldn't have left the company when he did in 2007. Like I said, but I do. I, I don't think he would have been solidified as the face of the company for more than a couple of months. So, if you had to wrap this up in a bow, um, the legacy of Rob Van Dam, John Cena, one night stand from 14 years ago. For those who have never heard about this match, never seen it, or haven't seen it in a long time, don't know the build and the aftermath. What is the legacy of one night stand 06 between RVD and John Cena? Well, for a couple of different reasons, the show itself is great. The match is amazing, just given the atmosphere and the build and the hype around it and everything else. It's a great match for John Cena, for Cena to prove I can hang with the big boys, I can hang with Triple H, I can hang with Kurt Angle, I can hang with Rob Van Dam. And after this, I think a lot of people started to realize, okay, it's not Cena being carried to a good match. Like, he can get a good match just as, you know, at, you know Shawn Michaels in the ring, but it wasn't John Cena being the problem. Like, if he, if he starts to have great matches consistently with people like... Rob Van Dam, Triple H, Kurt Angle, like I said earlier, then it's, it's less of a John Cena thing and more like, okay, the guy can indeed go. For Rob Van Dam, it was a huge moment. It was the moment he had been waiting for for a long time. He finally got his just due. Shouldn't have screwed up the way that he did a month later. But another thing I forgot to mention was that I, the big reason why they did this was not to make RVD the guy. It was to make ECW the show. Well, like WWE has this this thing, and they have for a long time now. They do this even now. Well, they'll put all their eggs in one basket to make you care about a certain person or thing. After about maybe a couple of weeks, if not a few months, Vince McMahon sours on the the thing or the person, or whatever. Then then he just gives up, and that's what happened with ECW. They put all their eggs in one basket with ECW. They really try to push it hard. It, it probably still would have flopped even if, uh, if Rob Van Dam didn't fuck up and got himself suspended. He still would have been, you know, the, the show still would have failed. Um, and, it, you know, it got people's attention. They made people want to watch ECW. And they did. A lot of people tuned into ECW for that first show on Sci-Fi. They saw the fucking zombie come out and get obliterated by the Sandman. And that was it. Like, that was that was the beginning of the end for ECW as a third viable brand in WWE. I know we're talking about RVD John Cena here, but that show has a lot to do with the success or you know lack of success rather of ECW than anything else. Because after that, it was all downhill from there. Because WWE just lost interest and they just watered it down into a, to a point where it became a the C show of WWE. There was nothing special about it at all. They stopped running it at that small you know the, the bingo halls and stuff like that. It just became another WWE show. But the peak of that ECW brand was when it started with Rob Van Dam and John Cena in the main event of ECW One Night Stand 2006. <sighs> so you were not a fan of the zombie. Wow. I can't say I was. No. <laughs> 
Less, I, no, I was not a fan. And I'm like, my thing is this. This is 06. You know, like, you know, kids know what's going on. They're not stupid. And you, you know, you're giving me John Cena and Undertaker and Triple H and John and Shawn Michaels. And you want to give me the zombie? Like, like, like this new generation era all over again? Like, what's going on here? What, you're saying... Wait, 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 say that again? I'm confused what you're asking here. <laughs> and I'm saying the zombie is like, listen... We're, oh, you, yeah, okay. like we're in 06 and you're bringing this ECW as, as a third brand and you're trying to bring out the zombie like we're supposed to be like, holy shit, wow, we're scared. Like, like, like I don't understand. I, okay, they're on sci-fi. I do probably get that point, but still, you're not bringing out the zombie every fucking week to wrestle. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought I thought you were clamoring for more of the new generation era or the old generation oh, or whatever no, with more like no, 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 with more mantar no, shit. I was gonna no. say I mis I misinterpreted what you were saying, but yes, it, it was really dumb. It was uh, I mean, again, you can read up on this all you'd like. WWE did a, a, a special on it. I mean, they're 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 biased because it was them, and it's yeah. uh you know it's their own uh, narrative and whatever. But they did a whole a couple of um, things on the network actually. The second coming of ECW. It's an episode of Untold, which is well worth checking out. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Pritchard did actually a podcast on it on for, for the network. Something else to wrestle with about a year ago, and it was really really good. And they are about a year or two ago, and they talked about the failed launch, the relaunch of ECW, and how Sci-Fi had too much input on making it. You know, one of their sci-fi horrific shows, and it just wasn't a good mix, and it was a fucking failure. But um, yeah, it, it was just it was shit from the beginning, and it really peaked right when it started with that pay per view. Like I said, the last point I'll make is this: uh, could, this could tie into a, a different show, which I know I'll talk about ECW, the originals, Paul Heyman. But at this time, Paul Heyman, when this is going down, and we see the the revital, you know, they try to revitalize ECW, and it doesn't work. And I think they mentioned that December to December is probably the worst pay-per-view of all time. Uh, maybe I'll watch it just to you know entertain myself. But Paul Heyman at this time, and you and you got to correct me. You know, doesn't he go away for a little bit and come and comes back? Like we don't we don't see him for a while after this. I think he had a fallout with with how everything went down and and stuff like that. I could be wrong, but. It, um, his involvement with trying to get ECW back on the map and then to the point where they, they get rid of it. Where is Paul Heyman at this time afterwards? After 2006, December to December or after One Night Stand? I think it's after the, the, the pay-per-view December to December. I, I, I could be wrong. I think he was off TV or he, he went away for a little bit and we don't see him for a while. I could be wrong though. No, well, going into it, I don't remember. I haven't seen every episode of ECW from that time period. He was on the show early on because I remember he was on the show as like an authority figure. He turned heel because he held Big Show in the championship from Rob Van Dam, which was so fucking stupid. Mm. I don't know if he was on the show as a, as a regular authority figure for the remainder of 06. He was involved as the you know the, the head of ECW behind the scenes or you know at least as much of a creative influence as he could have on the show without Vince McMahon ruining it. And then he was still, you know, running creative and whatever. And then he just got frustrated with the lack of success of that show and it bombed. And that's when he quit. So he quit the night of, I believe, that pay-per-view, December 2, December. Yeah, because, I, I, listen, I, I'm, I'll, I'll look it up. But I think I don't see Paul Heyman till, shit, till 2011 when, when Punk was there. I could be wrong. Yeah, he, I, he came back. He left after that show. Disappeared altogether. I think there were rumors that he might buy TNA. It just didn't happen. 
Um, and then he comes back to WWE in 2012 when they brought back Brock. They brought back Brock, and he had that one talking segment on Raw right before the John Cena match at Extreme Rules, which a lot of people forget about. That fucking bombed because Brock's not a great talker on his own, at least for extended periods of time. It was not good. They're like, fuck, we need Paul Heyman. I don't know if the plan was always to bring in Paul. I don't think so. They probably – because why wouldn't you just bring him back with Paul from the get-go? And they didn't. They brought him back like a month later. And, um, and he's been back in the company ever since. And Paul Heyman has been one of the best parts of this television show for the past decade now. So it's good to see him back. Yeah. So he leaves in 06, does not come back till 2012. So, yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. No, it's, it, was, it was six years. Six years he was gone. And now he's been back longer than he was gone for, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So I know I'll be bringing that up in a future episode. ECW, Paul Heyman, all that good stuff. If you want to, If you want to be down to do that, uh, let me know and we'll make it happen. But Graham, I do want to thank you for coming on the Wrestling Basement. We talk about retro throwback kind of topics, just like we did with John Cena, RVD for One Night Stand 06. Great match, great great environment, great atmosphere. Uh, you know, crazy how things turn out for Rob Van Dam. But I think uh, nobody should forget about this time frame. Um, and I, I do want to thank you. You can find Graham on Twitter at Wrestle Rants. You can find me at Randy J. Cruz, R E N D Y, the letter J C R U Z. And you can find this podcast on the Cruise Control Podcast Network on SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, and iTunes. Graham, my man, always appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. Always appreciate you having me on. I'll talk to you next time. All right, man. Take it easy. All right, you too. Adios. All right.